Hello and welcome to What's the Point, the podcast where we discuss the need for arts and humanities today. I'm your host, Bryony Armstrong. We're living in a time when the arts and humanities are under threat, and I know this firsthand, having studied both English and maths at university, and now doing a PhD in English. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest to talk about what arts and humanities do for the world. If you've ever wondered, what's the point of the arts and humanities, then this is the podcast for you. Hi everyone, welcome back to What's the Point? My guest today is Professor Ian Fussell. Ian has worked as a doctor in Cornwall since 1990 and eventually became the Deputy Medical Director for the region. He's also a Professor of Medical Education at the University of Exeter, where he's the Associate Pro-Vice-Chancellor for Education for the Faculty of Health and Life Sciences. Most importantly for this podcast, he's an advocate for the use of arts and humanities in medical education, event medicine and planetary health. As we're about to hear, he's also a bit of a musician himself. I hope you enjoy the episode. So Ian, as a doctor, how did you become interested in the humanities? Yeah, thanks for that question, Bryony. It's a good question because, in fact, it was due to the humanities that I became a doctor at oh, all. Wow. <laughs> and, and that was uh, that was whilst I was back at school, which was, um, it was an inner city sort of comprehensive school in Bristol, actually. But there was a drama club and, our, and I was part of that. And some of the teachers were involved with amateur dramatics, actually, you know, it, um, outside of the school. And in the summer, I used to take us down to um, the Minac Theatre in Cornwall, and we were extras in their sort of plays. And it, I mean, it was amazing when we were at school going down to that place. Um, and one time I met somebody there. In fact, she became my girlfriend. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh. uh, and her mum once you know, asked me what my O-level grades were, and I told her. And she said, hmm, with grades like that, you could become a doctor. And she was actually married to a doctor. So, mm. so that sort of set me on the path, actually. So I've always, <laughs> so funnily enough, that's, uh, that's uh, the kind of link. And that link also led to me um, you know, spending, well, really the majority of my career in the Southwest, in, in mm. Cornwall. And, you know, I now work um, in Exeter, but I still live, I live uh, down, in, down in Cornwall which is which is great yeah idyllic you know I've always been interested I've always sort of read widely you know sort of novels and so on and enjoyed sort of art galleries and art I'm a uh, I'm a musician so I I play music as well so I've always sort of um, embedded the humanities very much in uh, in my life sort of naturally yeah so it seemed like a natural progression to try and bring that into my working life as well that's awesome. What instrument do you play, just out of interest? I play, yeah, no, I, I play the guitar <laughs> and I play the bass guitar and I've played in bands since I was at school and, and I still do now. And uh, it's, I mean, that's been wonderful. You know, that's given me, um, you know, some, you know, really interesting uh, uh, and enjoyable sort of times and still yeah. does. Yeah, I love that because it's like we all want the doctors that we go and see to be rounded people who you know, engage in art and culture and have sensitivities and can be personable as well. 
Well, we we do, don't we? But what, but the danger is, of course, is that we value those attributes when um, when we when people come into medical school, it's stuff mm. we like about people. But then the the curriculums can get so crowded and so packed that we are, uh, you know, there's a risk that you don't tap into that, particularly during sort of medical school training. But mm. but we do do that. I do that at Exeter, which I can talk about as we go through the through the interview. Yeah, yeah, please do. I was I was going to ask, can you give us some examples of how you're now using humanities in medical education at Exeter? I suppose it might help to define sort of um, the term medical humanities or health mm. humanities. But I think I'll use the term medical humanities because we are talking about how we use it in a, a medical school. Mm-hmm. So, um, So this is a nice definition, actually. So medical humanities is an interdisciplinary field that combines insights and methodologies from various disciplines, including literature, philosophy, anthropology, history, and the arts, to explore and enhance our understanding of healthcare medicine and the human experience of illness. And that's a nice a, a nice definition. And it sort of, you know, it really speaks to why we why we value it so highly at um, University of Exeter Medical School. So it recognizes that medicine is not just a scientific endeavor, but also a deeply human one, which is influenced by social, cultural, and ethical factors. So I, I think it helps to to explore that a bit deep, bit more deeply. So you can think of sort of medical humanities as an academic discipline, for example, where you're um, studying med- medicine history, for example, or the the use of medicine in literature or you know in in books and novels um or in art you know in, in sort of painting sculpture and so on so we, we do that okay um so that's one of the sort of things that we do and i'll tell you how we do it but we can also think of um uh medical humanities as, a, as an activity for example looking at you know your uh, scenes or art in doctor surgeries or in hospitals and so on so um, so it appears in in hospital and in those sort of settings, um, and in the same, I suppose, an extension of that is that art can be used as a therapy. Okay, so yeah. we see art therapy in like in psychi- psychiatry, for example. Uh, it tends to be at the hard end of psychiatry when a lot of other things have not worked. So it's a very challenging sort of field to be in. But of course, it's also an art therapy for doctors and clinicians okay oh, so wow. you know and i would say that for myself you know so being involved with music for example as we've discussed is a is a very sort of therapeutic activity for me mm. and you will often find that well not often but you sometimes find people a bit cynical about all this sort of stuff yet you know you'll come to a yeah. weekend in this sort of hard-nosed uh, let's be a bit you know um you know, it's a very generalist, generalized and wrong statement. But for example, you might have a very sort of elderly uh, surgeon who thinks this is all a load of nonsense, but goes painting at the weekends you know, on the yeah. coast. Path, yeah. For example, uh, but what we're really interested in, okay, at the University of Exeter, is how we can um, use the humanities to um, to help in medical education. Okay, so help uh, students become better doctors and that harks back to what I said at the beginning um, you know by using sort of the arts and the humanities to explore deep more deeply into the human sort of condition and help develop sort of communication in so doing 
teamwork, empathy, professionalism. But most importantly, I think, is to develop um, students' tolerance to ambiguity. Okay, so that's a nice phrase to use. So the way to sort of um, try and describe that is that, I mean, imagine you, if you can imagine to, oh, no, I suppose that's not a good idea. So the best way, the best way I could sort of try and describe that is that, um, is that feeling of being out of your comfort zone, okay, mm. or, or um, and being able to tolerate that, okay. So tolerance to ambiguity is being out of your comfort zone and being able to manage that, and that's quite a good skill to have as a doctor, right. um, because things happen <laughs> and yeah. you find yourself in in situations where you're definitely out of your comfort zone. So what we what we'd like to do is is try and immerse our students into that that field to understand that feeling and develop their coping mechanisms and their teamwork sort of attributes and so on. Yeah. And how so what, do you so do what, that? How we do that. Yeah. So how do we do that? So so in year four, so medicine's a five year course. So in year four, compulsory and assessed. Um, we all students have to do a medical humanities special study unit okay so this goes through the entire year and what the students do is they they work with uh, with an artist it, sometimes these are um, doctors but m- more often they're people outside of the university that we you know that we employ for this this process so they work in groups of say four to six with an artist to create a piece of work okay Wow. And then um, um, it's assessed and it counts. Okay, that's mm-hmm. the first thing. Okay, it's not an option. Everybody has to do it. And um, the really nice thing is that at the end of that sort of period of time, they the students um, are then uh, present their work at a conference. Okay, a student sort of uh, a student conference, which is again assessed. So they're then standing up in front of their peers. Um, sort of showing the work they've they've created as well as write a short reflective piece so we take it seriously you know and I I think that's 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 the way way to really do this stuff is not to sort of have it as a nice add-on but to really embed it into the into the program and then if you think about the, the four things I said about what what that does so you know some people for example you know some anthropology or some looking at history or literature and so on sort of works very well so in, in maybe a reading group for example and so on and people come back to things that they they've lost okay so so they might not have read a novel since they had to do their GCSEs <laughs> yeah. they come back to it with a sort of mature perspective and so on and I, I mean I see students sort of grow up through that process you know in, in that year and sort of you know it's like the pennies dropping in, oh, in some wow. ways yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask how students tend to react to it. Like do they are they ever resistant at first and they get into yeah. it? Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean it, yeah, some people I mean, I mean I would say almost without question, um, everybody really enjoys the experience by the end. Okay. Mm. I think some people engage uh in different in different ways, but but it's it's a really positive experience. And the other really nice thing it does is that it, it helps create a community of practice and uh, for that group of students, which yeah. is a very important thing to have as you go through a career. So you've kind of stood up and you've exposed yourself a bit, really, in front of your peers um, who, you know, within a year, you're all going to be dispersed around the country, around the world, but you've mm. still kind of got that, 
that thing that you can tap back into. So I run one myself, you know, I, I run one around music and I love it. Okay, so I, I do this with a friend of mine who's a music teacher and a drummer and we get students to form a band, <laughs> write wow. some original material, record it and then perform it in front of their, 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 their peers. So it sounds sort of on the surface of it, you think, oh, well, what's that got to do with medicine? It's got everything to do with, with teamwork, getting out of your comfort zone, standing up. Um, uh, I don't know, you know, all, all, all those, all those things. It, it really, really does that. And, um, you know, I've got, got lots of examples. I mean, the example, the, the, the band we've got going right now is a good example, actually, because we had, um, three students, um, one of the students was a decent drummer. Um, the other two students, they're both both um, men, um, really had no musical sort of talent. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't like me saying that. But, but, right. but one could play the guitar a bit. The other one could play nothing. Okay. Oh, no, so, the triangle, um, so maybe. Chris and I thought, but we've got our work cut out here because we normally ask people to come in that can play something. Right. You know, and then we can work with something. Anyway, so the, the, these two became the singers, okay? So Chris and I then became the, the, the guitarist and bassist backing band with the drummer. Wow. And I thought, I wonder how this is going to go. So one's an inter, one, is the, uh, one was an international student, so, uh, so he's not a bad singer. So he came on and he sang, and they wrote lyrics. And then the other, the other chap um, wrote a rap which was absolutely brilliant. You know, it was amazing. So now, in fact, that's coming up quite soon. Uh, next week, we'll perform that that um, that song with his rap. Wow. So for those two students, you know, they, they're standing up. They're not singers. They're not musicians. But they're standing up in front of all their, their peers singing yeah. a song that they've that written. Amazing. <laughs> I'm envisioning School of Rock, but like the doctor edition. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, that's what we call it, actually. We, we call it Medical School of Rock. Oh, I love <laughs> so. it. I love it. I know this is so interesting to me because mm. actually I'm based at Durham and there is a big medical humanities department here that's brilliant. But I that think is, um, yeah. my engagement with them and my thinking about medical humanities has always been, like you said earlier, reading out the definition, thinking about the human experience of illness. And from what I've seen and yeah. read, that's been very like patient-centered. And I've never really thought in this way about the human experience of practicing medicine and humanities in actually yeah. being a doctor, not just being a patient. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, 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 that's right. And again, mm -hmm. you know, it is very interesting to study sort of humanities in the history of medicine and so on, yeah. but to actually really sort of embed yourself in it and do it is slight is, is different, isn't it? It's taking it mm. a sort of a, a step on. But yeah, you're right. You know, Durham's got a fantastic medical humanities mm. department, as, as as you say. But it's um, yeah. No, I mean we've we we're really lucky, you know, and we embedded this so early in the program as we were writing the curriculum, and we've kept it in there, you know, and it's it's highly valued, and it does give um. It does give our students currency, actually, you know, because yeah. it's interesting to talk about. So, you know, they can bring it into uh, to sort of interviews, applications and so on. And I've seen that over the years. It really helped people. Mm, that's really cool. And have you had feedback specifically yeah. from students who have then gone into working in hospitals and different practices and come back and said, actually, this is an example of I can see yeah. directly how this has helped? 
Exactly. Yeah, I, I have, and I've had some really nice things off the the back of it. There's a there's a really nice uh, magazine called Bohemia, I think it's mm-hmm. called, um, and that was one of our ex students, and she's she created this. Um, I mean, it's online, but it's also a physical sort of magazine. It's really good, you know. And and you know, when they when they released that, they you know, she contacted me to say, really, this is off the back of the sort of inspiration we had around around this. So we see things mm-hmm. like that like that come through which is which is great just waiting for a really famous band to come out of it (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) um i also said about using its currency i've had that sort of feedback from students as well that they brought Mm. that into um to interviews particularly for sort of academic sort of posts or clinical fellow posts where they're they're involved in teaching as well right yeah resonates really well yeah yeah I I mean I've had a bit of teaching experience at uni and I do honestly kind of see it as like acting or being a stand-up comedian like it I can see how doing some kind of like music or drama will then really help you if you're going to try and explain concepts to other people yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah absolutely agree mm -hmm. So I know you obviously do all this awesome work with medical education, um, but you also do a lot of work with planetary health um, and working with, is it like COP26 and COP27 and the G7 summit? So I wondered if you just wanted to talk a bit about that as well and give me some examples of how humanities is coming into that. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Thank you for for that question. So um, I think you know the, the first thing to sort of understand really is that sort of planetary health, social justice, um, health, human health are all in you know they're all linked. You know, yeah. so so you can't really have one thing without the other. Okay, so so as a you know health professionals have a responsibility around those around all all three things. So that's that's one sort of start, starting point there. I mean the other point to really to emphasize again is what i've said already ready really about the humanities having a having a purpose for sort of helping under, you know helping understand the human condition and so on so um so really this this work in earnest for us started during the pandemic okay mm. so when we're, we're, everyone's working at home and um we felt that there was there might be something nice to do in that in that space so uh so so we the met office okay is in exeter so we work quite closely with the met office and right. i was supposed to summarize it it would be wouldn't it be interesting to get climate scientists writing poetry okay so that's sort of like a, an opening wow. sort of gambit <laughs> <laughs> so we so we we thought okay well let's create some workshops so we put some workshops to, together and we had we had some health professionals in there. We had a lot of climate scientists, and we had some. We they were run by um by a woman called Sally Flint, who teaches on our uh, masters of, in creative writing. And she's a writer. She's a published writer. So she ran these work, writing workshops that we invited people to come into, and it was just awesome. I mean, you know, it was mm. it was um, everybody needed a dose of humanities. I think. Yeah, and the, the workshops were really really good. And um, and from that work uh, fell out some poetry, which then was word crafted by Sally and some other writers into twelve. I mean, they're short poems. And so we had a we had an anthology, 
um, um, and we thought, what should we do with this? You see, and and so then we, I mean, it just it just sort of snowballed from that that point on. So in Glasgow, COP twenty six was in Glasgow, and that's the first time there was a science pavilion in what's called the blue zone, which is sort of in the central part of the the whole. COP26, which is like a mega conference, if you see mm. what I mean. So this is sort of sat around the sort of in inside sort of conference space. And, um, and yeah, so, so we managed to get a slot to present this work. So for COP27, we did a similar thing, but this time we brought more student voices in, including students from, from Egypt, from um, the American University of Cairo, uh, mainly actually. And we wrote short stories then um, in the same sort of process. And we, again, we got those published in English and Arabic. So they were translated. So we brought translation into, into, yeah. into the frame then. So we've got, we've got a, a you know, really good translation team that sort of did all this work. And we, um, one of the very major outputs was from that actually was the, again, the American University of Cairo who had an amazing um, sort of director of drama there, um, Professor Adam Marple, his name is, and he um, he adapted the stories into a a play, which um, then they, I mean they it was an amazing work. They auditioned sort of professional actors and so on, and they put this on. We went to um, Cairo to see it, and it was just unbelievable how 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 good it was. And then the play went to COP twenty seven. And the other thing we did is we managed to employ a an amazing cubic artist called Rana, Rana Hemden from Alexandria, and she painted a sort of eight meter by twelve meter mural in Alexandria on a wall um, that we yeah we managed to raise money for, and that became kind of like the um, that was based on one of the stories actually, but that became one of the uh, sort of uh, visual themes through the through, through the work for COP uh, yeah going back a step for COP twenty seven we had quite a lot of local artistic sort of uh, uh, ramifications as well so there's also a performance in Exeter but we also had some um, workshops which um, like I think they were in the Exeter Museum for the students a bit like embedding humanities into the program I've managed to embed planetary health as another special study unit in mm. year two so mm. all of our students now have to sort of do a small project you know do some thinking around planetary health for the reasons that I've mm. said before you know that, that you know health has an impact <laughs> in, yeah. in, in many ways yeah and mm. I just I love the fact that it's you're talking about taking things into schools and museums and onto the stage because like that is how most people engage with huge concepts and yeah. huge issues like health and planetary health and I was actually interviewing someone a few episodes ago um Ladan Koksha about um sort of the um like artistic economy in the northeast and she was saying like if you defund arts and humanities then you're not going to have people coming through who can do things like translate a play yeah. or write a script or put something into a museum so once people in the science realm yeah. want to start doing that and engage the public there are there won't be people to turn yeah. to if we don't have artists or humanities specialists exactly yeah mm. no exactly and that that um well i think you come on to that sort of question sort of later to, you know to sort of summarize the 
the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're, we're making a very good case here, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> the namesake of the podcast, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I also uh, just caught my ear that you said that kind of grew out of COVID as well and, and being at mm. home because obviously COVID is the biggest medical issue that has faced the planet um, in recent years. And I think having been through that pandemic, probably a lot of people would observe that and maybe claim that humanities mm. don't matter at a time like that. And that the only thing that yeah. matters is is science, if we can even separate the two. And I think you've made the amazing case that we can't. Um, so kind of yeah. what's your like, what's your take on that from from your medical perspective? Well, well the, I mean, we we've sort of sort of said that but the humanities mm. help us understand the impact don't we the impact yeah. on individuals and communities and give us insight you know into the sort of social cultural and historical sort of dimensions of a of a pandemic so you know is it's clearly not just the science which is getting the uh, you know is 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 doing that it needs more yeah. than that because you know you have to sort of feel it don't you and understand exactly. it and the, the, the humanities can can help us with that and give us, you know, perspective, different perspectives, you know, ethical dilemmas, you know, perspectives on public health policies and so on, uh, the psychological well-being. And we're still seeing um, the ramifications of that ongoing, aren't we? The sort of psychological yeah. well-being of people was, uh, you know, was highly impacted. Um, uh, and, you know, the humanities can help sort of foster empathy, compassion, um I suppose help foster a sense of collective responsibility, resilience, and so on, and help help us recover. So, you know, it's essential. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, you can't not have them in the in in the in the frame. Exactly. Um, so, mm. going back a little bit to the fact that you play guitar and you're very into music, um, mm. I know that you also work in events medicine. And I think, am I right in saying that you help organise some of the first aid at Glastonbury Festival? Um, so yeah. I just wanted to ask a little bit about sort of your experience of humanities in relation to events medicine and like your experience of doing that. And this, I think it's an awesome example of kind of arts and medicine coming together in that way. Yeah, so thanks. That's a, that's a brilliant question. Well, the, 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 the medical cover at, um, at Glastonbury, let's talk about Glastonbury, that actually mm. is for Reading as well and a few oh, others, cool. but for Glastonbury, it's run by a company called Festival Medical Services. So they've got the contract and they've had it since the very first festival um, to provide cover. Okay, so, mm. and it's not just, I mean, it's serious cover. Okay, so, so there's like a hospital effectively wow. there with some sort of branch hospitals and there's, there's full resuscitation you can anesthetize somebody there there's x-ray facilities there's dentists psychiatry ophthalmology and so on so and yeah there's general practice as well so you can you know i've been on i've worked at glastonbury on a shift which is you know i'm surrounded by i mean it must be one of the sort of most highly qualified set of people <laughs> in the country you know wow. working in in that sort of environment at you know at that time so you know so you're with a bunch of sort of very highly qualified consultants who are all into being at Glastonbury okay so, so <laughs> yeah. they're all like being in Glastonbury because it's a, it's a nice place to work so uh, so they run the um they run the the medical cover but they so that that will include 
you know, paramedics, first responders, nurses, um, physiotherapists, uh, chiropodists, doctors, radiographers, and so on. So it's, it's a very big, big team. Okay, it's a big, a, a big team. Um, and I thought it would be good to try and bring our medical students into the first aid or first responder sort of mm. space there. Um, and we did it, you know, so, so it started in 2013. We took six students up there. That was the first time I went up as well. So I worked. The students at that time just needed the first aid at work qualification, which was very easy to get. And, um, and they worked as sort of first aiders, you know. So, so we, we started then. Um, this year we've got, I think we've got about 20 to 25 medical students going, plus four nurses. And they um, they now get trained as first responders, so they get a qualification. They have, um, and they 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 they're the people that are walking around with sort of backpacks out in the oh, field, right. radios and so on, and 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 deal with stuff sort of as it happens. And it can be um, it can be very serious. I mean, a lot of it is not. A lot of it is sort of a, I've got a twisted ankle or some grit in my eye but it can be at the other extreme where people are really in serious trouble so it's a it's a you know it's a massive sort of learning curve and sort of learning experience for um, our student doctors and nurses so yeah in a, in a way it's then bringing together sort of interests of mine which are sort of music and and, and so on with with health and seeing if we could find a find a sort of space for that to happen it's a lovely environment to work in because um people are happy <laughs> yeah people want and they want to get back to having a good time so it's it's a it's, it's a really refreshing way to uh to to work actually as a clinician yeah it, I mean it's it sounds like a huge operation and also yeah I think it's really something to be re remarked on the idea that people are happy because it's like if if medicine is there to keep us alive then it's to keep us alive and doing the things that we want to do like going to see music, going to see art, like they really go hand mm. in hand. Like you can't just cut off arts and humanities and say that only STEM and stuff and medicine matters because yeah. like people want to live to go and see their favorite band. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so you alluded to this mm. a little bit, but yeah, just to um, round things off, I, um, you know this, but I am curious to hear sort of from your perspective how you've come up against some of the like defunding and devaluing of, of humanities that goes on mm. and whether or not that concerns you, if you've witnessed any of that at all. Um, yeah, it does. It does obviously concerns me, you know, mm. for all the reasons that we've been sort of talking about today. But uh, I suppose um, I thought about this question. I like this question. So I thought you know, to try and summarize that into a sort of statement. I would say that, that arts and humanities education fosters empathy, understanding, enabling scientists and healthcare professionals to better connect with patients and society and ultimately improving the quality of care and research outcomes. Okay, so um so I think that summarizes summarizes it really, really nicely. So, you know, we if we want to really do science and healthcare well we have mm. to understand the sort of you know the the context in which we're we're working and humanities helps us do that mm. that's that sentiment mm. is everything this podcast is about so 
Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for this conversation today. Thank you for coming on What's the Point? I've loved talking to you. Thanks, Brian. I've really enjoyed it too. Thank you for listening to What's the Point? If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on Twitter at WTPpod underscore and send us a DM if you want to get in touch. We'll see you next time with a brand new episode. Thank you.